This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, August the 28th, and I hope everyone had a great start to your week. I know I did. Yesterday, I had some very promising phone calls that were followed up by phone calls this morning and this afternoon for some great things coming up. I have meetings tomorrow. I have a TV appearance on Thursday. And then, of course, off to New York on Friday to host the Law and Crime Network from 12 to 3 Eastern Time. And speaking of the Law and Crime Network, one of the cases uh, that we covered, our main trial that we covered last week and up until today, actually, because a verdict came in, was the trial of Roy Oliver. Now, he is a former Balk Springs, uh, Texas police officer. Uh, he was arrested and tried or arrested and charged with the murder of 15 year old Jordan Edwards. It was a shooting that took place April 29th of last year. Just to give you a little background before I tell you about what happened in this case just today, just hours ago, just to give you a little background. Uh, police were called to a house party where a bunch of teenagers were having this loud party, probably hundreds of teenagers. So step one, of course, police had a legal right to be there. Uh, one of the other officers, Officer Oliver's partner, Officer Gross, was inside talking to a group of teens. And you could hear on his body cam, you could hear shots ring out, four or five, six shots ring out. So, of course, when police hear gunshots, they assume that there's a gun. So Gross steps out of the house. He sees one vehicle backing up. He says, stop the car. He sees another vehicle backing up, a black Chevrolet Impala. He starts yelling commands, stop the car, stop the car, stop the effing car. The car is backing up. And then the car uh, puts goes into drive and drives off. And as the car is driving off, you hear a glass break. Because that was Oliver I'm sorry, that was Gross breaking the glass. So Oliver, the partner who had gone back to his car to retrieve his rifle, and during the trial, many people were questioning that. Even people on the Law and Crime Network that I host were questioning that. And, you know, my my uh, rationale to that is, hey, you don't ever want to be outgunned in a gunfight, especially if you're the police. So I don't blame Roy Oliver for getting his rifle. So the car pulls off. You hear a, a series of shots towards the car, and then you can hear on Gross's body cam audio, you can hear Roy Oliver say, he tried to hit you. So, now we know that an officer can use deadly force if there's an imminent threat against his life or another officer's life or the public's life. So, Roy Oliver, in that split second, said he was trying to hit you. But, of course... Uh, the grand jury indicted him on murder charges. He's been on trial for the last week and a half. And just today, just today, he was found guilty of murder at 3.30 today. That Texas courtroom found him, that jury found him guilty of murder. 
And in something very unprecedented, they went directly to the sentencing phase. Now, at the time of this recording, I don't have exactly what that sentence is. But keep in mind, he was convicted of murder. And in Texas, you know, that's capital punishment. So we don't know if this officer that was acting in a split second is facing capital punishment, life imprisonment, 25 years, 15 years. We don't know. But that's very unprecedented for a judge to go directly into a sentencing phase right after a guilty conviction. Now, of course, if you want to know what the outcome is totally, you can go to lawandcrime.com and we, of course, will update what his sentence is once we know it there. But I want to talk about this case tonight uh, for several reasons. Again, um, you know, I, I definitely want to take race out of this. And although it's the stereotypical mainstream media shooting, white cop, black kid, the kid was unarmed, all that stuff that we always hear. But first, I want to talk about it from a police officer point of view, just to give you an idea of Roy Oliver's articulation of why he shot. So he actually took the stand in his own defense. And he says, I believed there to be an active shooter. He heard shots. You can hear it on the body cam. Several shots. There's hundreds of people out. There's people running. There's cars moving. He's thinking there's an active shooter. So then he says he believed the vehicle was attempting to run over his partner, which you can hear on the body cam audio, his partner's body cam audio. You can hear it. He says he tried to run you over. So he believed in that split second there was an imminent threat against his partner's life or maybe even the public. Again, gunshots, car leaving. From his vantage point, he thinks the car is running over his partner. So I can understand his articulation of why he may have thought he needed to use deadly force. Now, granted, yes, Jordan Edwards was the front seat passenger. He got shot in the head. He died at the scene. No one else in the car was hurt. I believe there were four or five other people in the car. There were no weapons in the car. I I get that part. I totally get it. But given that split second, the officer did not know that this car was unarmed. And from his vantage point, he believed that car was going to run over his partner. So I just want to put that out there so I can let you know his mindset. A reasonable officer, because that's what articulating deadly force means. What would a reasonable officer in that split second assume would be deadly force? So here's a few things that went on in the courtroom that I think came back to hurt this officer, because I really don't believe he set out that day to shoot 15 year old Jordan Edwards or any other random black kid. Had the party not been going on, had there not been the call for the police to come out there, Roy Oliver would not have crossed paths with Jordan Edwards. And keep in mind, he was shooting at a car, so he couldn't see if there were black kids, white kids, or whatever. It's dark outside. The car's moving away. So let's take race out of it. But here's what I think came back to get the officer. Now, first of all, his partner, Gross, testified and I've watched the body cam video and based on what I saw I didn't see the car as a threat because even when he's yelling commands for the car to stop 
The car is backing up very slowly. And when the car pulls away, you don't hear tire screeching or anything like that until, of course, the shots are fired. So what Officer Gross testified to was he did not believe the car to be a threat to him because he saw the car backing away from him and turning and driving away. And then he attempted to break the glass to get the car to stop. His testimony, the officer's testimony was he didn't believe the car was a threat to him. Now, remember, everything's based on officer perception, officer perception. But if you have two officers approaching the same scene from different angles, especially when it's a vehicle and you're coming up behind the vehicle, i.e. Oliver, and your partner is walking towards the path of where the vehicle is turning Oliver may have assumed in his vantage point that the car was trying to run over Gross. So that came back to hurt Roy Oliver very badly. Now, there was another thing that uh, I don't know why the judge allowed it, but I but I do because Roy Oliver said he would take the stand, which opens up for cross-examination and everything else. So apparently uh, there was some kind of fender bender he was involved in, Roy Oliver, Last year, uh, of course, prior to the shooting where he was off duty and he gets out of his car. He says that the women in the car were reaching around. He's off duty in his personal car in plain clothes and he pulls his pistol out and starts giving them commands. So, of course, you know, they're like, why is this guy pulling a gun on us? So, of course, the prosecution used that to say, hey, this guy's trigger happy. He just wants to shoot people. Now, these weren't black women that he did this to so they were just saying oh he wants to shoot people he's trigger happy again we don't know the circumstances of that situation on cross-examination some of that credibility kind of went away to those two women that were testifying but we don't know the circumstances of that me personally when i pulled my gun out just because someone was reaching around in the car right after an accident likely not because i would assume they're probably trying to get their registration reach for their phone to call the police there's a hundred other things I would have thought they were doing than trying to go for a weapon or, or something like that. And even then, I'd probably, because you never, as a police officer, want to act in an official capacity in plain clothes, off duty, because the simple fact is no one knows you're the police. Even if you say it, they don't know you're the police. They might not even believe you're the police. So there's so many things that can go wrong with that. But the judge allowed that testimony. So, of course, as a juror, you're thinking, well, shoot, he pulled his, his, this gun out on two helpless women after he had a fender bender with them. Then, of course, he's a trigger happy guy. But the problem is you cannot equate one with the other. One has nothing to do with the other. Totally different circumstances. For whatever reason, he pulled that gun out at that traffic, that uh, accident. And he testified that, yes, I pulled it out. I had it at the low ready I started pointing, saying, give, giving commands, and I did say I'm a police officer uh, because they were making furtive movements. So whatever reason he pulled that gun out, again, not something I would do. That has nothing to do with what happened on April 29th, 2017, when he shot into that car and, and ultimately killed 15-year-old Jordan Edwards because the circumstances are totally different. Again, Police were called to the scene. There were people, hundreds of people, 
outside. They even had kids from the party testifying that said gang members showed up to the scene. So you got gang members showing up to the scene. You got gunshots going off and you have two officers. So to those people that say, well, why did he go get his rifle? Well, you have two officers. You have hundreds of people. And even if you keyed up for backup, guess what? It's going to take backup a while to get there. So again, you don't want to be outgunned in a gunfight if you're the police. So I, again, I don't blame Roy Oliver for going to get his rifle out of the car. Listen, I pulled up into some shady situations where there's been 50 or 60 people, and you best believe I pulled old Bertha out of the rack. And if you don't know what old Bertha is, it's my Remington 870 shotgun. And let me tell you, when you step out of that car and rack that bad boy, that's like parting the Red Sea like Moses. Trust me, people disperse. So I don't blame Roy Oliver for going to get his rifle out of that car. He says he believed there was an active shooter. This is how you deal with an active shooter. You bring more firepower than the shooter. It was obvious that it was a handgun, but you couldn't tell how many guns. So an active shooter could be active shooters. You heard testimony that there were gang members that showed up. Typically, one gang member just doesn't shoot at random people and they don't shoot back. It's typically one gang member shooting at another gang member and the other gang member shoots back and then his brother shoots back and then his cousin shoots back. And before you know it, everybody's shooting back. So Roy Oliver did what he thought he had to do in those split seconds in that time frame leading up to the shooting of Jordan Edwards. Now, to be clear, am I saying I justify what he did? No, but I can understand and I can articulate why he thought he had to react that way. Is it tragic that Jordan Edwards died? Absolutely. But like I said, Roy Oliver did not on that day wake up, premeditate the murder of 15-year-old Jordan Edwards. It was the call to police that got him to the scene. It was the gunshots that made him Assume there was a deadly threat, not only against his partner, but there's random gunshots flying around. You've got hundreds of kids, so not only is there a threat against your partner, there's a threat against everyone out there. So one of the things I said while I was anchoring law and crime is it's not easy to try these types of cases because, you know, I don't want a Monday morning quarterback any decision an officer makes if it was made in good faith. Now, if Roy Oliver just showed up to this scene, got out of his patrol car, walked up to that car Jordan Edwards was in before the gunshots and just started shooting, then yeah, then that's premeditated murder. But when you're dealing with what you think is an active shooter and you got all these moving parts and you got cars leaving and you see your partner yelling at the car, stop the fucking car, stop the fucking car, it's not as easy to just say, yeah, it was murder and he intentionally did it because he was acting in the line of duty. He was acting in the line of duty. So I would challenge anyone to be in this situation where they see a car right after shots ring out. You see your partner telling the car to stop. You've just heard shots. 
you believe that somewhere in the area there is a gun or guns, and then you see from your vantage point that your partner is being ran over by this vehicle, let me know how you would react. Let me know how you would react. Now, do I think he should have been convicted of murder? Mm, absolutely not, because there's a lot that goes, again, into murder, the premeditation, the malice, the recklessness. Well, I guess they can say he was reckless because he fired into a car and there was no imminent threat. There was no weapons in the car and all of that good stuff. But again, I go back to what I said. He thought from his vantage point, his partner was in danger. Now, if I was a defense attorney, I would have pressed for manslaughter, right? Because if they're going to try convict him, they're going to convict him. There's no way around that. I don't know the breakdown of the jury. Uh, I did have someone in the courtroom that I interviewed a few times for the Law and Crime Network. She did give me the rundown. I can't remember, but I think it was uh, the majority of that were women. And I believe many of them were mothers. So, you know, there's probably a lot of that that goes into it, especially when you see the picture of Jordan Edwards sitting on the table every day as a reminder that he's no longer here. So I'm sure that played into a lot of this decision. And I'm sure that the testimony of his partner and the testimony of those two individuals that said he pulled a gun on them had a lot to do with it. Again, I don't think one has anything to do with the other. Totally different circumstances. But that's what the jury decided. They decided to convict him of murder in the state of Texas. Again, that is capital punishment in the state of Texas. So there's no telling what Roy Oliver will receive as his sentence. Now, keep in mind, too, there's a second aspect of these charges. Of course, the aggravated assault charges against everyone else that was in the car. And again, I believe there were four other individuals in the car. There were a set of twins. There was the driver, which I believe was Jordan's uh, stepbrother. And I believe one other person was in the car. So not only is he convicted of murder, um, you also had those other aggravated assault charges. So if you're talking four counts of ag assault, I mean, in the state of Texas, each one of those can carry up to 20 years just by themselves. So, you know, from a sentencing standpoint, I don't know what Roy Oliver faces. Again, if you want to know, go to lawandcrime.com. We will have that sentence there. But what I will say is I don't want people to get this false hope that this is now going to be the norm for officer-involved shootings simply because, as I always say, color doesn't bring police, crime does. Police don't wake up every morning and say, I'm going to go kill someone. Police are thrown into situations where in a split second they have to use they have to decide to use deadly force, and when they do, they're tried by 12 people that have no idea about police tactics, police training, split-second decision-making. They have no idea about all of this stuff, but they're tried by these same people who only believe police are the bad guys or believe police should shoot people in the leg or, you know, something like that, or they watch... CSI or they watch all of these movies and assume that things just work out a certain way 
when they don't. But Roy Oliver, again, convicted of murder, but I personally don't think this will be a precedence for future cases because all circumstances are different. I think the biggest thing that got Roy Oliver in this case was his partner saying he did not believe he was in danger by that vehicle because, again, I watched the body cam. I don't see where Gross was in danger, so I can understand, just like I can understand Oliver's point of view for why he said he used deadly force, I can definitely understand Gross's point of view as well as to why he said he did not believe he was in danger. When I watched the body cam, the car's backing up slowly. It's not even close to Gross at any point. So yes, I can understand why he said he was not in fear. I think that's the biggest thing that got Roy Oliver here was the fact that because of that, the jury just assumed or just made this conclusion that he was reckless in his actions by shooting into the car. Hence, he was found guilty of murder and guilty of the ag assaults in these in this case. Okay, I want to switch gears really quick and go out to Houston, Texas, and talk about a video that went viral. Uh, and it's actually pretty disturbing in itself because it was recorded by a security guard. Well, correction, she was actually recording a police incident while, of course, other people were uh, recording this police incident. It was in Houston. Police had attempted a traffic stop. Turns out the guy was a robbery suspect. Uh, the police officer is struggling with this guy who's actively resisting arrest, yada, yada, yada. And in several attempts, goes for the officer's gun. So the officer yells to the security guard, stop fucking filming and help me. Can't say that I blame him for, for saying that. I mean, you are a security guard. That's eh, kind of part of your duties. So eventually a good Samaritan comes over, helps the officer. But the security guard is just standing there filming and she's telling the officer, no, I'm not going to help you. But she's telling the suspect who is trying to get the officer's gun, which at any moment the officer could have made that a deadly force situation. He's trying to get the officer's gun. She tells the suspect, don't worry, I got your back. I got it all on tape. I got it all on tape. Well, you got what on tape? You got this freaking idiot who's a robbery suspect actively resisting arrest and clearly reaching for the officer officer's gun. So you got the attempted homicide of a police officer because I'm guessing if he would have got the cop's gun while the cop was on top of him, he wasn't going to use it to just pistol whip him to get him off of him. He wasn't going to just look at it and say, oh, this is a pretty gun. This, this is so nice. He was going to shoot the officer. So you got what on tape? Boo-boo? Oh, don't worry. I got your back. I got it all on tape. Well, I'm glad you did get it on tape, and I'm glad someone else got you on tape because that security officer has been fired from her job as well she should be. I mean, you're so worried about your 15 minutes of fame on World Star or your Facebook so you can sit there and say, oh, look at this white cop beating up this black kid, not knowing all the circumstances, not knowing that he ran from police, not knowing that he's wanted for robbery, and clearly watching him pull the officer's gun. And you can hear the other guy that's recording saying, oh, damn, he's going for his gun. Huh. But yeah, don't worry. I got you. Well, guess what? Who's got you now? Because you don't have a job. Like Martin used to say on that 
comedy way back when to Tommy. You don't got no job, man. Boy, Texas must be the spot today for some reason. I want to highlight the officer of the week for doing outstanding work going above and beyond. This is actually out in Sigaville, Texas. There was dramatic body cam video. You can actually Google it, YouTube it. It's out there of Officer Sam Click, who was with the Siegelville, Texas Police Department. He actually went above and beyond. He saw a house fire going on. He kicked in the door, ran in that house, got six little kids out there, out of there while they were sleeping before they got any injuries. And, you know, this is one of those things you don't see on mainstream media. Uh, an officer running in doing good things. You only hear about what the media perceives as things that are bad or excessive force. You never really hear about this in mainstream media because I've only seen it either on Instagram because I follow a lot of police stuff on Instagram or on the local news there in that, that small town of Texas. But I want to tip my hat off to Officer Sam Click. He actually saved six lives. He ran into a burning house. He didn't wait for backup. He didn't wait for the fire department. He knew if he waited, chances are those people, those kids, would not be alive. So he went in, he got those kids out. And the one adult, which was the dad, I don't know why the dad didn't know the house was on fire. But hey, you know, I sleep hard myself. So, you know, who knows what was going on in that house. But at any rate, Officer Sam Click, he should be commended. Again, when you see a police officer on the street, when you watch CNN, when you watch MSNBC, when you watch all this mainstream media that just dogs police, I want you to go out and think of police officer, and I want you to go out and think about Officer Sam Click. All right, it's time for my 10-7 segment of the week because we are out of time. And here's another unarmed suspect, quote, unquote, unarmed suspect killing a law enforcement official. So again, the next time you hear on the news the words, he was unarmed, it was an unarmed suspect, he was no threat, I call bullshit. Trooper Taylor James Edenhofer. Trooper Edenhofer was shot and killed after he and several officers responded to reports of a subject throwing objects at vehicles on Interstate 10 near Avondale Boulevard in Goodyear, Arizona at approximately 10 p.m. Three Arizona Department of Public Safety troopers and two Goodyear Police Department officers, that's five people if my math is right, responded to the scene and attempted to take the subject into custody. The man resisted arrest and engaged the officers in a struggle that lasted several minutes. One guy, five officers, unarmed. The subject was able to obtain one of the officer's duty weapons during the struggle and opened fire, killing Trooper Edenhofer and wounding another Arizona Department of Public Safety trooper. The subject was taken into custody. Trooper Edenhofer had graduated from the police academy only three months earlier and was still in field training at the time of the incident. He was a U.S. Navy veteran. Five guys. One armed, unarmed guy. Let me say it again. Five guys. One quote unquote unarmed guy was able to shoot and kill a police officer and Navy veteran and shoot and wound another police officer. 
But, you know, some people will tell you unarmed people, unarmed subjects, unarmed suspects are not a threat. Trooper Edenhofer was only 25 years old. That's really sad. I want to thank him for his service, not only to the state of Arizona, but to this country for his service in the U.S. Navy. My hat's off to him. Godspeed to him. My prayers to his family. My thanks to you, as always, for listening. And I'll see you right here, same time, same place, RadioInfluence.com, next week. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frankenstein's quick fix on Radio Influence. This CFO, this Alan uh, Weisselberg, longtime Trump organization CFO, has granted immunity in what? Reported by the Wall Street Journal, granted immunity in Cohen probe. It's no longer a Russian probe. It's no longer about anything. It's the Cohen probe now. This is, I mean, you wonder why it doesn't matter if he goes out there and says that. Michael Cohen was not in Prague. The the dossier is bullshit. And not only that, but the, the not only does it discredit the dossier, but once again, as we've talked about many times before, Michael Cohen never being in Prague means it is the biggest, biggest uh, red flag as far as all the FISA abuse that was going yeah. on again. Yeah. So, it, it, of course, it doesn't matter because we had. This has nothing to do with anything except getting Trump. They don't care how they do it. All I'm going to say before we move on from Cohen for now is he already pled guilty to the stuff inside of his charge, like all those charges. He pled guilty to them already. If anybody else that comes out with these immunity agreements and the probe had any information, it would have been in that plea. So all they're doing now is trotting out all these people that the SDNY went and talked to to find out more information on Cohen. If they had anything damning on Trump, you can bet your took us that it would have been in this little plea deal thing here or it would have been moved on from there you know what i'm saying this is all nonsense this is all just nonsense dark to light with frank and beans can be found on apple Podcasts, stitcher tune in radio google play and radioinfluence.com